I can receive from my pastor. I can honor my pastor. But my faith is not in a man or a woman for that matter. Our faith is not in our brand of church the way we do church. It's not in a religious organization or a church culture. Our faith, I'll say it even, I'll go as far as to say this, our faith is not in our local church's vision. My faith is in God. We have a vision. We, 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 you know, people come to be a part of our local church community. You know what I'm saying? We individually have a vision, but our faith, our trust, our eternal trust is in God himself. Amen. And no, nothing other, no other person, place, thing, or idea. Everything else is second. All right? So we don't believe believe in the church. We believe she exists. We, 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 we put our faith in God. Okay? Now, now um, the church is from God. The church is for God. But the church is not God. Mm. I know sometimes it's like, ah, oh, man, I just got to get to church. That is awesome. But let's remember why. Because church is changing right now. Guess what? God is never changing. The church is changing. You know why? Because the people have been there. Because people change. People change for better or worse, but they're changing. People are changing. The church is not the source of our faith. God is. Amen. We can express faith. We can receive from the church. But at the end of the day, my faith is in God. Can I get an amen? Somebody? Jesus said, he did not say, put your faith in my bride. He said, put your faith in God. All right, the church worships, but the church is not the object of worship. Can I get an amen? amen? The church is the beloved bride of Christ. She is not Christ. You know why? Because she acts sideways sometimes. <laughs> Can I get an amen, somebody? Sometimes I got I, I got some questions about her. Can anybody say amen? Everybody be like, oh, I don't know about her sometimes. You know why? It's human. She is. His beloved bride. But she is not perfect. She is not perfect. Alright? Can I get in on somebody? You know, and that's okay. You know why? That's who she is. Alright? Some people say, man, my church is perfect. You are lying. You're lying. <laughs> you know, then we, we try to twist and make it sound cute. We're the perfect church for people who aren't. You know what I mean? And that's true. That's true. I get it. It is. We are. Right? But the church is where our faith is expressed, but it's never the source of our salvation. She does not have that capacity, nor is that her assignment. All, the church's job is to point people to Jesus. That, that he, you know, we, when that brother up here was worshiping, I mean, we come in here, we were worshiping God. <laughs> right? It is a place, a time and a place, a gathering where we worship Jesus. All right? So, what we focus on really matters. Right? Do you mind if I read a couple quotes here from some, some of the early church fathers? Um, but, um, these are some early church fathers here. Um, St. Ambrose of Milan, this is fourth century theologian, he said, It is the church that believes, not to be believed in. All right? Here's another one. I'm going to read a few of these here. This is Peter. Christology's fifth century bishop. This is the 400s. We believe in God, 
then, and we confess that the church is from God and for God. Early church fathers throughout the ages almost seems like they fought to clarify that we love the church, we are part of the church, but we must direct our worship to him. That it is, it is unto Jesus and Jesus alone that we give glory. And the church is beautiful. I'm a pastor. I love the church. I love my church most of the time. You know what I'm saying? Just like my wife, my wife loves me all of the time. She can't, she just, you know? But sometimes I'm not, I don't act in such a way that it's easy for her to love me. Right? Somebody's like, oh, right? But she is just perfect 24 7, 365. She can't do wrong. The last, somebody's like, all right, okay. The last 14 years, man, she has not skipped a beat. All right, but here it is. Whoever, this is powerful, this is Faustus of Reeves, fifth century bishop. Okay, I'm just looking, we're just going back in history. Just check this out. They were saying stuff like this way back then. But he, this is what this bishop said. He was a bishop in modern-day France. They called it Gaul back then. But he says this. Whoever believes in the church believes in man. Away with that blasphemous conviction. Okay, I'm going somewhere. Because if you want to continue in God, you must learn to not put your faith in the church. Because she's going to do something that's going to offend you. And too many people leave God because of the behavior of his bride. And she is not always going to act right. And you, part of the bride, can't look at me and say that you get it right all the time. We must learn to love her, but to put our faith in God. All right? You guys look at this this afternoon. Here it is. This is Bruno of Wurzburg, 11th century. I do not believe in the church because she is not God. Not that he doesn't believe that she exists, but his belief, his faith is not in the church. All right? I got one more. Okay? I got one more quote here. This is, um, this is an 11th century uh, church leader. John Camps. This is in one of his books, Confession of Faith. Here it is. We must not believe in anybody but God. I do not believe in her as I believe in God, speaking of the church. But I confess that she isn't God, that God is in her. Not as though she herself contains God in her nature. Because the church, I was telling my church this, I was preaching this a little bit this year, throughout this year, and saying, man, the, the church is like a, it's like a mashup of Humanity and the divine. And it's like, if you're going to continue in God, we must learn to sit at the table of the Lord and not allow the other humanity at the table to get us away from the table. And this happens so much. Nowadays, we have a phrase for it. We call it, we call it church hurt. Okay? And so we didn't call it, we didn't have church hurt back in the 90s. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but we didn't call it that. And I understand there are abuses. Right? There are things that are extremely unhealthy and not okay. I mean, I, there, 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 you know, there's times when people come to us, other friends of ours, 
that might be a, that are a part of other churches, right? And and most of the time, we're like, hey man, you you need to just kind of work that out. You know what I mean? Just like, because you can go somewhere else, you're gonna run into the same thing. It's called humanity at the table of the Lord. You got him, you got Jesus sitting there, but you got everybody else too. And we gotta learn to navigate the humanity at the table and not allow their humanity to get us out of that divine place God has called us to be faithful in. Right? And um, and so if you want to continue with God, I know this is simple tonight or today, is put your faith in God. Alright? Put your faith in God. Are people going to get on your nerves? Yes. If you're in church and nobody has ever crossed you, offended you, or gotten on your nerves, you're coming in late and leaving early. You know what I'm saying? Like, you ain't really at the table. You know what I mean? You come in for the snacks and you dip out. Right? I understand. I understand where people are. I understand. I understand people are in different places. But you get to know people. You know? And actually, I'm going to preach a message in the new year. I was telling them that in our Temple of our leadership meeting. I want to preach a message called the, My Church is Overrated. Why? Because it is. I love it. I'm living for this. We, we're giving our lives to the pastor this but at the end of the day, don't believe the hype. If you're called there, it's a, and it's beautiful. You're growing in the Lord. You're hearing from God. You're in community. All that's beautiful. But sooner or later, you're going to find some stuff up in there that you're like, I don't like that. Or I don't like this. Right? And that's normal because there's humanity up in the mix. And then I want to preach a subsequent message called My Pastor is Overrated. <laughs> because he is. <laughs> right? And it's not a it's not it's not a message to dishonor the church. It's not a message. I'm not trying to it's not a dishonor to dishonor spiritual leadership. But it's we must learn to navigate humanity and not become sometimes people come to church and they become a fan. And they're fans. They're like, this is so amazing. A pastor's so awesome. God's presence is there every time. I'm like, keep coming. One of these days you're not gonna feel his presence. Are you still in this? Right? You know what I'm saying? And so you got to get past the honeymoon. And people, I know we have a term out there, we call it church hop, and it's because, man, people are chasing the honeymoon. And, and we got to get past the honeymoon. This is like, if, if, if we treated our spouse like we do the church, me and my wife have been married 14 years. You know, it hadn't been a honeymoon for 14 years. She has been perfect. <laughs> okay. But not me. <laughs> and she still loves me. She's still committed to me. She can't, she she came out here today just to spend time with me. Auntie. Okay? But you know, we, we, we as believers, we, we must learn to put our faith in God. Enjoy the richness of community and the beauty of it. But learn to navigate the difficulty of it without throwing it out just because something doesn't work the way I think or how I, you know. Can I get an amen out there? Here it is. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to my next point here. I'm going to go to my next point. Can you guys give me 15 more minutes? Yep. All right, here's the next one. You want to you learn to walk, continue in God. All right, look at your neighbor and just tell them. Tell them this. Say, this is how we continue in God. Look at him and tell him, number one, number one, put your faith in God, put your faith in God. not in me. 
Here we go. All right. All right, here's the next one. Um, get out of the comparison trap. Uh, we're, we're preaching a series this month on contentment. And I'm, I'm going to, if you can turn your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Um, this is a scripture I, I believe I shared this earlier today. But I'm going to read quickly. Um, Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6. Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say to the Lord as my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? And um, in this world, we're, I was preaching on this today uh, a little bit. But when, when we get caught up in what other people have do, and have achieved and this and that when you get in this comparison thing, I'm telling you, it will destroy you. Comparison will destroy you. Right? So you gotta get out of that trap. Right? Um, we gotta get out of it. Um, here it is. Why shouldn't we compare ourselves to other people, places, or things? It's because um, other people are not your standard. They're not. Right? They're not the standard. Other churches are not the standard. God is the standard. What God told you specifically is the standard. Okay? So when we make anybody or anything else our standard, we've entered a realm of idolatry. Because now I'm looking down on myself because of where they are. So I, now I've elevated another created being to a place to where I'm discouraged, depressed, in anxiety and fear because somebody is beyond where I am. That is idolatry. It is show this quiet.
Amen? Amen. So, so look at your neighbor and tell him, say, God's word is the standard. God's Look at him and tell him and say, say, you are not my standard. Jesus is. Right? So if we want to continue with God, we, we, we must, we must allow and make God our absolute standard. This goes back to worship. This goes back to worship. Alright? So, um, I'm telling you, we, we got to do this. I mean, you know, in this social media world we live in. Everything is compared. Compare everything. We look at everything. I'm telling you, some of y'all need to just stop following people <laughs> that mess you up when you open that thing. Amen. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. That's good. Okay. Okay. So I want every one of you to open your phone. No, I'm saying. <laughs> the person next to you is like, why'd you stop following me? <laughs> but for real, that, that feeds some, some weird mess in our humanity. Our human nature is so twisted. Sometimes. Can I get an amen? amen? We get so messed up over stuff that don't mean nothing. It does not mean nothing. And then you would tell somebody your whole thought process, and they'd be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Stop it. You might know what I'm talking about, right? They're like, what? And you're like, yeah, I don't know, I did something weird. Right? Yeah, stop it. For real, some of you need to just stop following people. Tell them. All right? Make God's word your standard. Don't, don't, you know, we, we get so preoccupied with outward things, things we see, things we feel, things, things we want to show, things, look at this, look what I, you know, and all of that feeds into comparison. And if you want to continue with God and be healthy spiritually, emotionally, mentally, I am telling you, you, you gotta, you gotta get out of that comparison trap. So, it's just the beauty of serving God, okay, is that. When, whenever, when God is the standard, right, your relationship with Jesus, and, and he is the object of your worship, spiritual health is always the outcome. Always. You, you, you want to get healthier? Make God your standard. All right? Getting our worship right always produce, produces a healthy outcome. Always. Always. We get caught up. I was sharing this today in church. I come from skateboarding and stuff. And I remember when I first got saved as a teenager, I was involved in the industry. And there was a certain time where I, I couldn't, every time I opened up a skateboard magazine, it would mess me up. Because everybody in there, in my psyche, my own brain, my, I'm like, everybody in there is better than me. Then I would have a photo that I compared to everything else in the magazine. You know what I mean? So I, anybody know what I'm talking about? The imagery can just. Like one minute you're fine, and then you see something, and you instantly start comparing. I'm not this. I'm not enough. I didn't. I didn't ollie high enough. I'm gonna jump down the seven stairs. This dude is jumping down fourteen. I might as well buy it. You know what I'm saying? We do that. Can, can you be honest with me? Can anybody relate to me today? Yeah. Right. And so. So here it is. I'm almost done. Here's the next point. Here it is, the next point. Because anybody out there, you want to continue in God? Look, I know it's simple. Put your faith in God. And quit comparing yourself to people that are not God. They aren't God. I don't care if they try to even act like they do. Why is it we want to be 
mask his people out with. Or, or we compare ourselves against people. They got all kind of craziness in their life. But for some reason, we need and we start to think that they're this and they're that and they and you know, no, they're not God. This doesn't mean we diss people or disregard them, but we, we, we must but we must not make them the object of our worship. Alright? Alright? So here it is. Here's the next one. This is it. You want to continue in God. You, you need to remember who you really are. And this is all tied in. Having faith in God and get out of that comparison trap. Look, I'm telling you. Can I be honest? You might get out of that comparison trap right now, but come Monday morning, you might find yourself having to get out of it again. Can I get an amen? So this is a walk. This is a walk. It's just a, maybe my heart here today is just to bring some awareness. Hey, I don't even be doing that. I don't even be comparing against that stuff. All right? So here we go. Remember who you really are. Set your effect. Think about all these. I, I don't have, I have a verse I'm going to share. But I just put some notes of verses, okay, to, that speak to who you are. So check this out. you got to remember who you really are in God. So the Bible talks about, you know, set your affections on things above. Not on things on the earth. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. We are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, God's own special people. Colossians says that we are complete in Him. All throughout Romans, Ephesians speak of the truth that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Romans says again, we are children of God, and if children, then we are heirs of God. And if we are heirs of God, we are joint heirs with Christ. It, it also says, you know, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Those are just some quick references of who God says that you are right now. Okay, so turn your Bible. Revelation chapter 1. All right, Revelation chapter 1. Verse 5 and 6. And this is my last verses here. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. It says, To him who loved us and washed us from our own sins in his own blood. Here it is. Verse 6. This is all about identity. And has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So this is who I am. I, in the kingdom of God, I am royalty, a king and a priest. I have dignity. I'm not trying to be like anybody else. I mean, why? You know, just, we can know this truth, but our minds drift. We, 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 we get down there in the grind Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and we just get a barrage of attacks from the enemy, things we see, things people say, you know what I mean? It's like a war zone sometimes, right? And, and, and I just want to remind you that see here in the scripture, just a few portions of scriptures I've quoted, and right here in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, say, this is who you are. That think about the dignity that God in his infinite wisdom has given you and the identity that we don't need to be trying to compare ourselves to somebody else that has some other bigger whatever. God is like, 
what, you know, God's like, what are you tripping on? You know, look unto Jesus, the author, the finisher of your faith. Be inspired, be challenged. You know, be, you know, but never, never, never compare ourselves among ourselves. That just goes to a dark place fast. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. Here it is. I just want to encourage you in your identity in Christ. Your identity in Christ is this. Here's my next point. Identity is in the kingdom, in Christ, is received, not achieved. It is that you can't work for this. You, you can't come to church enough for it. You can't fast enough for it. You can't even try to hold it enough for it. Now, all that is great, but I'm not speaking of works, and I'm not speaking of the fruit of the Christian life. I'm speaking of who you are right now in Christ. It is received. You can't work for this. Being a Christian only identity that is received and not achieved. Everything out here in this world, every other religion, the identity is earned. In Christ, we can't earn it. We receive it, though. I am loved by God. I am His beloved. I am accepted in the beloved. My sins are washed. I am the righteous of God in Christ. I can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace and help in my time of need. I am a son of God. You are a son. You are a daughter of the King. Nothing, nobody can change that. I am in the very palm of God's hand, and nobody can snatch me out. This is who I am. Come on now. All right? And so, you are perfectly and eternally loved by God, both now and a billion years from now. Praise God for your good works and the fruit of your life and your commitment and discipline to what God's called you to do. But none of that gives you identity. Okay? I'm almost done. No amount of performance or lack of it will change it. I come from a very uh, abusive childhood of sexual molestation. I was molested as a kid when I was really young until the age of seven. Um, so it was a pretty rough early childhood. So praise God for deliverance and healing. I got delivered as some devils, man. And all kind of stuff. You know, and, and Jesus is so good, man. He saved me as a teenager. And, and that's so beautiful what he can do regardless of what our past is. loves us, forgives us, washes us, makes us new, right? If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Amen. Old things have passed away. Anybody thankful that old things have passed away? Amen. That stuff in detail we need to kind of start over. You know, it's just, it's under the blood. Amen. Somebody say amen. Yeah. So, man, I'm, I'm so thankful. And, and so, but what I've noticed even, you know, I, I've been serving the Lord now since I was 18 years old. This hasn't been perfect or anything, but it's been some time. I'm thankful for where God has brought me. Okay? But even in that, that I've noticed that there's something I need to be careful of because sometimes we, because of our, the roughness of things or the, 
way we, what we had to fight to come out of. If we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll try to, it's like we get in the flesh too and we try to prove ourselves too hard. It's like we've been doing too much. And it's like, we're because of, we, we, we have this thing because we, because of what happened, I gotta prove to people that I can do it and come out. And, and, and sometimes too, we gotta, hey, you know, we gotta bring that before the Lord because, you know, you gotta um, praise God for what God has brought us out of. But sometimes overachieving can be idolatry in itself. We gotta say too, like, okay, like, you know, and you start working too hard to kind of fill the void that we haven't allowed really God to heal just yet. Can I get an amen somewhere? So, so what, my point is this, is identity in Christ is, just to, just to say it again, is received, it is not achieved. Okay, I'm almost done. The ups and downs of performance have no bearing on identity. You, you might have, um, in some endeavor that you tried or attempted even in God and with God, and if, it, if it didn't work out, it has, there's no knock on who you are. It's just, it's just an event. We have to separate. The failure is an event. It's not who I am. Identity in Christ was given by God, therefore not performative. God gives it. God gives it. Okay? The world, this is the worldly system, and I'm literally almost done. I just got a few more thoughts here, and then we're going to pray. But the world, this is how the world operates, is that identity is some kind of role you play. The worldly system says, do this, you become this. It is something have to achieve. In Christ, we receive our identity because of how God created us and what he did on the cross. We're, we're telling young people nowadays that you can choose your identity. This is what you do to become who you are. It's performative. We're putting pressure on young people to create or perform for something God already gave them. The world says you must perform to become. The world, the world says you can create your own identity. You can decide your gender. That is far too much pressure for a person, a human being to bear. We were not created to decide that. It was given to us. It was given to us. Think about the pressure that puts on people. That they get in their, their psyche, their mind that I do this to become this. And Jesus says, I created you. I made you this way. And I died for you on the cross. Everything that you are, I give you if you receive this. The very things God already put in created design, we tell our young people. But we know in Christ, this is something that is given. This is something that is given. In Christ, identity is belief in what God has already done. So, I'm telling you right now, it's so important that we learn and um, develop and grow in 
knowledge of God's word when it comes to who we are in Christ. Because everything else in this world is shifting, changing, and shaping. All right? I'm going to say it again. In, this, is, this is identity in Christ. It is belief in what God has already done through creation and through the cross. So, here we go. out of the comparison trap. Next one, make God's word your standard of healthy. Remember who you really are. Identity is received, not achieved. We need to tell people who they are. In God. I believe this world is in an identity crisis. We kind of did certain things, depending on what side of the political spectrum you sit on. But at the end of the day, it's an identity crisis. Jesus loves us unconditionally, eternally, and has done everything on the cross for us to develop and to understand who we really are. That we, all of us, are worth dying for. Here's the last one. You want to continue in God. Here it is. Love Jesus above all. Love Jesus above all. All right, I'm going to pray here. Father, we just thank you, Lord, today. We just uh, pray, God, that we would, God, be a people that continue, that we would continue with you, in you. That, Lord, I just thank you that we receive who we are in you. We receive it. God, I thank you. Lord, we can't work for it. We can't do anything to get it. But Jesus, we, we accept it. Lord, we just pray for those in our world, in our lives right now. We pray. We just we stand in the gap. We intercede right now for those, God, that those in our life, I, I really feel it's just in my heart right here, that there's people in our life that you know they're struggling deeply with identity. They, they may not see it that way. But they're struggling, they're vexed, they're troubled, and they're struggling with who they are. Who am I really? And maybe even they're as far as believing in absolute lies to who they are. But Lord, right now we pray for those family members, those friends, those loved ones, those coworkers, that they just don't know who they really are, that they are really loved. Lord, we pray for those people right now. Those that are struggling, that they're, they, 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 they put it in this performative thing. They rest their identity in, 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 in money and things and sexuality and all these other things. And God, right now, we just pray for those people right now. We pray, Lord Jesus, that they would encounter you. We pray that you would touch them, that you would save them. We pray right now for those that don't know their eternal worth in the eyes of God. We pray for their salvation right now. We pray for their deliverance. We pray that they would that, Lord, that they would come out of the false identity. Lord, that they would come out of the lies of who the enemy and what the life experiences have told them who they are. The, the abuses they've endured and they've absorbed their identity around the trauma. 
So we pray for deliverance of those that have wrapped their identity around something because of trauma, because of, because of the, the, the turmoil of life has, has so um, wounded them, God, that they, that they are lost. And, and, and they're, 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 they're lost in, in, in life and in, 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 in who they are. They've lost sight of you, God. They, they have began to worship the creation rather than the creator. And we collectively pray in agreement for those that are in that place. We pray for themselves.